The Mind Your Home podcast is now available on video. To watch the video associated with this episode and see any visuals that may be mentioned in the episode, follow the link in the description to the YouTube channel. You're listening to the Mind Your Home podcast. I'm your host, Mia Danielle, and I'm here to tell you that the number one thing you can optimize to give you more energy and happiness is your environment. If you're tired of the chaotic cycle and ready to feel energized at home with more simplicity, more energy, and less clutter, then welcome to the Mind Your Home podcast. Now, today I'm actually going to be chatting about things that I am not so minimalist with. So I talk a lot about things that I only own one of, or things that I don't own any of, or how to minimize this and that. But there are some things that I am not super minimalist about. So I'm gonna share those with you today. This is really in response to a lot of the emails and comments I get about people who are feeling a lot of turmoil about things that they're passionate about and not knowing how or if they want to minimize those things. So hopefully in seeing some of the things that I am not so minimalist with, you'll be able to see that it's okay, right? Like if you make space in other areas with things that aren't so important, then it's okay if you hold on to a few more of the things that you are really passionate about or that you do really get a lot of joy out of. So without further ado, go ahead and click the thumbs up and let's dive into the first thing that I am definitely not super minimalist about, and that is board games. Board games and card games. This is something that is a particular interest and enjoyment of my family and the friends that we have. In fact, mine and Matt's social group consists of weekly game nights where we get together and we play strategy board games. So we are really into games. This is the grouping of games that we actually play. And by we, I mean myself and Matt and our kids. Um, most of the games that we play at our board game nights are hosted by other people. So they have some of the games that we play. But these are the ones that we play when we go to the beach or when we just feel like having a board game night here at the house or during the summer when Matt and I will just get into a game together. Cribbage is pretty much our camping game because it's super easy. It has all the pieces attached to it. Of course, you have to have cards to go with it. But every year when we go on our week-long camping trip with a family, we pull this out and we'll play it with Matt's parents and his aunts and uncles. And it's a lot of fun just to pull it out and play by the water. Really easy to transport around. Pictionary, when we go to the beach cabin, is pretty much the only time we play this, but we do go to the beach cabin multiple times a year, and we'll have a lot of fun playing this with just the four of us in the family, or if one of the kids brings a friend with them. This is something that everybody really enjoys getting into. Space Cadets, King Domino Duel, Bottle Cap Vikings, Clue. Now Clue, I'll be honest, is probably my least favorite game, but Matt and the girls like to play it. So I'll let them play it whenever they have friends over or whenever everybody else wants to play a game and I want to sit out. Not the biggest fan of Clue, but people won't let me get rid of it. So here we are. Rummy Cube, we actually all really like. In fact, I think it was last summer, we played this just about every night for weeks straight. Um, so it's actually a lot of fun to get into and it's really easy to get kids involved in it too. So this is a really good one. Exploding Kittens, classic. It's one of the first games that I played when I went to one of our strategy board game nights just as like an icebreaker. And so I bought it for my daughter for Christmas and now she loves it. It's one of her favorites. Uh, definitely a classic good game to get, especially for large larger groups of people, and innovation has become a family and friend's 
favorite. Uh, we definitely bring this one every time we go camping as well. And we'll have competitions like between myself and Matt or myself and Matt and our youngest daughter. Uh, we'll play it like with um, friends over at game nights. It's a big thinker. It's definitely more of a strategy game, but it comes in a compact little box. And this game is awesome. Now I'm a huge fan of everything Tiny Epic. They come in these tiny little boxes and just like as the name suggests, Tiny Epic, uh, they're epic games in small boxes. So we've got Tiny Epic Galaxies, which is the first one that I ever played and I love this game. Um, and then we were gifted Tiny Epic Dinosaurs, which is also a lot of fun. So I think we even maybe have one more of the Tiny Epics um, somewhere in our kit or maybe it belongs to one of our friends, but I love this whole franchise. Love letter, family favorite, small package, easy to bring places. It's one of those interactive games where you're trying to sneakily get each other out and lie about who you are. It's a lot of fun. We actually had another one and it got destroyed on one of our trips, so we bought a replacement because we like it so much. Dragonwood, King Domino, both great games. Codename Pictures, a lot of fun if you have like a group of people that you're playing with. It's one of those where you have somebody who's giving the rest of their team clues and another person who's giving their team clues and whoever's team gets all the clues first wins. Uh, a lot of fun for, for big groups. And this is a really innovative style game. So you'll have to check that one out. And then there's this, Gloomhaven. Maybe you've heard of it. It's a really large, in-depth, role-playing style game. Um, Matt had been researching it for us to play for a long time because it is a more expensive game. And so I bought it for him for Christmas. We haven't actually busted out this version of the game yet because it is so massive that everybody recommended that we start with the intro game. So now we've got both of these. <laughs> Uh, we did start with the intro game. We started on that last summer, and so we've been playing through many of the scenarios, and I know that we're gonna probably finish that up this summer and then dig into the big one, and it's gonna be one of those ongoing, epic type of gaming experiences. So as you can see, we're big gaming nerds here, and this is not an area of minimalism for me and my family. It just, it doesn't work for us. But because we're able to keep down so much of the other clutter and have so much extra storage, we're able to hold on to the games that we actively enjoy playing. Now, I've definitely discarded many games that we're no longer playing or that we tried and we just weren't that into, but these are the ones that we love and that we go back to over and over again. It's probably gonna be super echoey in here, so I apologize in advance. We have a lot of wood floors and walls and windows in this section of the house, which is why I don't normally video here. But some of the items that I'm gonna talk about are in this area, and the second is my coffee supplies. So these are my coffee mugs right here. Uh, we've got six of them over here, and I am the only person who drinks coffee in this house. Uh, my oldest daughter, who's 15, will occasionally get a frozen drink from Starbucks, but she doesn't like hot coffee. So these mugs are in fact just for me, and I do have two to-go coffee mugs as well for when I'm taking a road trip. So not the most minimalist solution. I could very easily have one or two mugs that I rinse out and reuse. However, I enjoy coffee. I enjoy the whole process and the experience and I like the uh, the style and the look of the mugs. I like being able to have the 
stacked up tier. I use it as decor for my kitchen. Um, and so it's not really hindering anything for me. I'm not having to take any extra steps. It's not wearing me out. It doesn't look cluttered. Uh, so it works for me. Matt actually got me this thing for Christmas per my request and it just stays on its counter spot right here. It kind of, again, adds to the decor of the kitchen so we don't just have plain white countertops with no kind of eye-popping decor, um, matches the color scheme, and so I really like them. I, I even like the style of them if I wasn't using them all the time, which I am. And then I also have this little thing, but I just bought this coffee press really to use for when we go camping because when we go camping there's an old school coffee pot that takes so many grounds that I don't love using it and so I just bought this to make myself a personal cup whenever we go camping. Um, for the house, <laughs> I don't use this which would be very minimalist of me to do but instead I actually have my coffee station. So on my coffee station I have this Keurig and I have a Mr. Coffee espresso machine. So let's talk about these coffee machines for a second because I have had people point out my Keurig and the fact that all of the K-cups are a major pollutant, which is true. I got this Keurig, however, eight years ago. It was really before I even got into the whole world of minimalism and paying more attention to the sustainability and the footprint. And I don't use the K-cups in this. I actually use it to create my own manual cups. I use the manual cup filter for it and pour my own coffee grounds into it. So there's no regular waste going out with my current use of the Keurig. And again, I've had this thing for like eight years. So is it more wasteful for me to get rid of it and start pressing my own coffee, which I wouldn't mind doing, but adding that plastic to the landfill when I'm currently using it waste-free? You know, I have a hard time rectifying that. The only reason, and you can tell me your thoughts on this, the only reason I could think of to get rid of it would be because I am making public YouTube videos. And of course, I wanna be sure that I'm passing on the right message to people. Let me know your thoughts on that. Now, for the longest time, it was just the Keurig. Uh, I've moved to three different states with this Keurig. I've lived in Texas, I've lived in Arizona, I've moved with it to uh, California, and now for the past seven years I've been living in Oregon. This place has been around with me, so it's lasted quite a, quite a long time. Uh, the espresso machine I actually just got for Christmas, and I got it with the intent of spending less money at espresso shops like Starbucks and The Human Bean, which I love but are very costly. And I thought, well, maybe if I get an espresso machine, then myself and my oldest daughter can make our own frozen blends and can make our own coffee here. So now we have both and we have this little station going on. And for the time being, at least, it's working for me. Um, in the future, I may just go to pressing because it honestly doesn't bother me that bad. It does take up less space, but right now I'm comfortable with this setup that I have. While we're in the kitchen, the next not so minimalist thing that we own is a waffle maker. And I could say technically this is not my waffle maker, it's Matt's, but I did buy it for him for Christmas. So I don't think I can get away with saying that. Now, of course, generally a good rule of thumb that I share with people, especially when it comes to narrowing down your kitchen appliances and getting rid of some of the clutter is to try to keep things that are versatile, meaning that they have more than one function that you can use them for instead of just having a standalone appliance. This thing is really only good for making waffles. That's pretty much all that we can use it for. 
if we were doing pancakes, obviously we could use a pan, we could use a griddle, we could use, you know, all different kinds of things and it would be a very versatile thing to make. However, Matt doesn't really like pancakes, he likes waffles. And so we've kind of justified having this thing and made it worth it by adding waffle nights into our meal rotation. So probably like once every month to once every two months, we'll have waffle nights with sometimes eggs or bacon and stuff and, and just make it one of our regular meal nights so that we are actually using this on a regular basis. It's not just sitting up in the cabinet. Another area I'm not super minimalist about is throw blankets. Now we do have a minimalist rule that we only keep what will fit inside of our throw blanket holder. So that's cool, but we definitely have more than a couple of throw blankets uh, that are going on here in our living room or just throughout the house. Uh, this one I do keep in my bedroom, so it's not really down here in the living room. I keep it draped over my bedroom and it's great because it's really soft and lightweight. And in fact, most of the videos that I'm recording here, I'm wrapped around this on my lap. You just can't see it. But last Christmas, I learned how to crochet. Uh, my husband's Aunt Kathy, now my Aunt Kathy, uh, taught me how to crochet and I got super into it. The girls both wanted me to make them a blanket, so I crocheted this one for my oldest daughter and then I crocheted this one for my youngest daughter and then I crocheted this one for myself. So I had three blankets that were just kind of like immediately added to our collection of throw blankets, which up until that point we had maybe two. Um, and then also like around the same time, it was last year, um, that same Aunt Kathy made us this throw blanket uh, for a wedding gift. So I guess we do kind of have a lot of throw blankets roaming around, but they at least fit into their designated space, which is the important thing, right? Mm -hmm. 